hands full today. I did. Um, I've brought projects and things for us to discuss. (laughs) In addition to our topic, I've got my Southern Living magazine because there's some things I want to talk about in there for Easter, but funny enough, we're so in sync with them, right? All the time, it seems like. And Garden Gun. They have a story this in this double issue that just came out about a crawfish boil. Of course they do. So anyway, thanks to all of you that enjoyed the Low Country Boil which was last week's episode for us. Um, a couple of you even wrote us letting us know you served a dinner this week that was a low country boil. So, so fun. Glad y'all found the items to cook it or had it had them in your pantry already maybe. But um, yeah, that was fun. And then I brought us something to taste. Perfect. So this is called Red Eye Rye. Okay. So it's bourbon. I'm um, looking at the bottle now. It's a pretty bottle. It is. But it is coffee-infused whiskey. Okay. So That sounds odd to me, but I'm I know. willing to try. So it's very dark. Um, and this is a Nashville company, and I wanted us to taste it. So let's, your nose in it. You're so pro. Well, I'm, I really like what my nose... This smells different than I would have thought. It smells syrupy, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And it, yeah, I'm smelling vanilla before I even taste it. Wow. That is so sweet. I I like like it it. more than I would have thought. It is very sweet. So I would say this is wonderful if you, um, well, for one, if you like coffee. You have to like coffee, I think, to like this. I do too. Um, Because it has that acidity sort of Mm -hmm. taste, but it... um, it's kind of a nice substitute if you don't have any cocktail mixers in your house. So this to me tastes like dessert. Yes, drink a dessert or like a dessert coffee. Yes, drink. It's a dessert really liqueur. Nicer than I even would have guessed. So it says that you can serve it just neat, like we're drinking mm-hmm. it, or on the rocks. Um, a friend of mine, Margaret. Shout out to Margaret, who actually <laughs> gave gave this bottle to me. She serves hers almost like an iced coffee. Like she okay. would have ice and she would add in some milk or cream and stir it all in together. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's making me think quite Russian kind of yes. situation. Yeah. But it's, it's a newbie company. I mean, they're, they first had their first bottle come off the line a couple of years ago, 2017. Wow. So it's primarily available in the Nashville area. Um, but they're open in a tasting room sometime in 2020. Oh, that's and fun. They have other rye whiskeys as well. So I'll put the link in the show notes if okay. you want to. Okay, Red Eye Rye. Look into that. Um, With the coffee, that's where they're getting that name. Yeah. With adding in the coffee. Well, that's fun. Yeah, that was um, good. I would say if you're one that likes straight up bourbon, this is going to be a stretch for you to like. Yes. But if you like creative... Um, you know, blends and things like that. I actually like it more than I would have thought, but it is sweet. Yeah. Agree. Be ready for sweet. Well, um, also listener sort of suggested was this question I got this week or last week, which is what are y'all serving for Easter? Well, 
Good I've, question. I'm kind of thrown for a loop with, you know, church being online. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm going to watch a, uh, remember that author, Jonathan Kahn? He's a rabbi, uh-huh. but messianic rabbi. He is uh, going to do his Passover Seder live again. I watched it That's last cool. year. So I think I'll do that for Passover. And then I haven't planned a menu because, and I've got to plan a little um, Easter egg hunt. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I so know. I'm going to have to go to the store the this week and get Easter basket items. I have the time, just don't want to get out. So. so the only thing that I was wanting to try new this year is, I'm holding it up for you to see, this sugar snap peas with <gasps> orange zest and buttery almonds I love recipe. sugar snap peas so much. Yeah, and they seem to be available right now. And so um, I think I'm going to do this as a green. This is a recipe from this ish, the current issue of Southern Living. Um, it just looks good, and it looks easy, and it looks delicious. That looks delicious. And then we've already discussed the potential of a um, deviled egg board. Okay, so yeah, this is a idea that came up when we got all into platters and boards a few <laughs> episodes back. Um, as long as I can find enough eggs, I guess. Um, to... they're, they're pretty readily available, Okay, I have found. Okay. Eggs have not been... I haven't been to the store in two weeks, so I don't even know what's available. Well, we've gotten some gifted food, which has been so helpful. But, um, yeah, it's mostly been produce and that's what you mostly need to go for. Yep, exactly. So, um, yeah, I'll need to borrow your platters and boards book though, because it's the one that had some suggestions on the, or take a picture of that page or whatever. Um, I mean, regardless, I'll, We'll do deviled eggs. When I think Easter, I think ham. That's often something yeah. that's served as ham. Yeah. Um, be that with little biscuits or, um, you know, oftentimes Easter is a brunch. Yeah, because that's you do, true. Like right after your church service. Which this year we're all online. Mom jokingly asked me this morning, what are you wearing for Easter? And I was like, probably what I'm wearing today. <laughs> I bought Jacob a seersucker <gasps> blazer jacket. He has, yes, wear so it. So we're dressing up because we're going to still get an Easter photo. Oh my gosh. So, I could cry just thinking about him in seersucker. I know, it's precious. Oh Lord have mercy. So, okay. Well, when I think brunches, I think quiches, I think ham biscuits. Yeah. Deviled eggs. I do you want to do your biscuit board? And... No, this is getting board heavy. Yeah, it's getting board heavy. Um, well, we have some planning to do, but I would say we'll have some ham because I already looked into lamb, which is also yes, something that you could serve for Passover or Easter. That's a popular. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not opposed to lamb. It's going to be a little harder to find, but maybe, maybe not. It might not be hard to find. I was maybe thinking... everybody's going for ham, and we should be different and do lamb and i have the time to really research how to do it because i've never done that before yeah yeah i've always wanted to do one of those crown roasts i know too, with the bones so beautiful sticking up in a circle mom said she's only done that i think one time okay so that is a very special thing okay so we might do lamb we'll have the deviled eggs in some form some on form a board or, or just out for appetizers sugar These- snap peas some some bread. Well, and I was thinking we should blow it out with a good dessert because y'all have been waiting. Heck yes. You've had no sugar. We've had no sugar. It will have been. I have. I didn't give that up, but. It will we'll be 
Well, Lent this year was, was it longer? It's 49 days. Well, it was quarantine too. So that made you think about it even all the time. We've more. had the goods in the house too. That's been a problem. There's been that chocolate is. chips on the top shelf the whole time. <laughs> but yeah, so we'll be ready for a dessert platter. Okay. Well, buffet. We need to discuss that because it needs to be epic. Um, yeah. So what else would we typically do? Um, something, do we do something with corn sometimes? Trying to I think don't remember it, no. that. I mean, yeah. there's always corn pudding or there's always, I make a, a really nice roasted corn salad. Do you remember that? Yes. That's so good. Yes. But I usually make that later in the summer. It's more okay. like 4th of July-ish. Okay. But anyway. Sweet tea. Oh, yeah. It'll be good. But yeah, y'all, sorry, we don't, we need to have some more planning as if we didn't have time to do that. But, um. I just haven't had the motivation to do it. Well, I've been, I'm excited about our topic today. I am too. This is going to be really fun. We are talking about storytelling, which is, I think, a special characteristic to life in the South. Wouldn't you say? I would agree. Now, I do believe storytelling in some form or fashion is a part of every culture worldwide. Agree. 100%. But it's pretty special in the South. Yeah. I feel like it's definitely something that is, um, continued. Yes. Um, revered even. Yes. We have a lot of festivals around it. A lot of the, um, even epicenters of storytelling. Yeah. The locales are in the South. I think you're spot on when you say it's the continuation of it. Yeah. And I have some articles that we're going to talk about today that would even support that. Yeah. Because like you're saying, every culture has some element of storytelling in it. Otherwise, we wouldn't even know about that culture. Like things have to get passed down. That's right. In the form of stories in order for us to even know about it today. So well, I found um, an article that was about it was this source is the national storytelling network okay and i thought we could even start with just their definition yeah of what storytelling they so they say storytelling is the interactive art of using words and actions to reveal the elements and images of a story while encouraging the listener's imagination well encouraging the listener's imagination so okay it's super interactive Okay. So that's different than just... Public speaking. Um, public speaking or poetry recitation or yeah. something where you're like, it's got a lot of... I had not thought about the interactive part yeah, of it. It is. That's why you see it live often. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because what we're doing here, I mean, in essence, we're telling stories, but I wouldn't, I still wouldn't call this storytelling. Because we're not seeing your faces, and we're and not feeding off of that. We're not you know where the, they'll like. Yeah, we're not feeling the laughter or the sadness, right? Yeah, or the awkward pauses or any of that. Yeah. Now that National Storytelling Network also had five things that needed to be, I guess you would say, present for oh. something to fall under storytelling, okay. which I thought was interesting. Storytelling is interactive. Is the number is the first one. The okay. responses of listeners influence the telling of the story and often tightly connect the teller and the audience. So good. Storytelling uses words, uses language, so that distinguishes distinguishes it from like dance or mime because sure. those can tell a story. Absolutely, but it's not using words. Yeah, or language, I should say, because even if you were using sign language. Mm-hmm. It's words. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, 
storytelling uses actions. That makes it different from writing. It's yeah. often gesture or yeah. that kind of thing yes. that goes along with it. Um, storytelling presents a story. So there are things that are, well, I mentioned poetry recitation or like stand-up comedy. Right. Those can tell a story or not. Right. It's not necessarily telling a story. Yeah. It doesn't always have like a beginning, middle, and end. Right. Uh, those examples. Those examples. Yeah. 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 It can, Yeah. sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Um, and then storytelling encourages the active imagination of the listener. The listener's role is to actively create those vivid images yes. and events based on your own experiences and understandings. Agree. So I thought that was kind of an interesting thing to look yeah. at the different yeah. things it includes. I think of storytelling as in like day-to-day life as that moment after a meal when you're maybe you're having some coffee or tea or maybe everybody's having some dessert or even if you've just had dessert and you're kind of sitting back and you're not ready to transition to whatever's next, be that leave altogether or move to a different room Mm -hmm. or play a board game or whatever. It's that like moment of someone is about to shine, right? Like, So that brings me to a question that I literally just in this moment thought of. Who are some people that you think of when you think of storyteller? Because I just now had two pop in my head. Well, I think you're a great one. Because you have a lot of well-rounded experiences in life. So I love hearing your stories, even if it's ones that I know. Put a funny spin on it. Because you can usually pick something that would be fun for whoever you're with. That's true. Right? So, I mean, because not every story is going to... not The same story will not work. Won't, won't fit with in, various in each groups. audience. That's yeah. why it's so it's interactive. Yeah. So, I would say for sure you. And I think our dad is. Oh, totally. Um, he totally is. In fact, I wish he would do more storytelling. So. Yeah. Well, I thought Who, I, the two that came in my mind, I definitely would say dad. But the two that came in my mind in this moment were Don Gregory. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. The guy can tell a story. Hilarious. And Larry Beadle. Yeah. He just has that Southern accent and humor, and he knows how to put a funny spin on something. Yeah. All of those are important Yeah, things. So you're... our friend Don is someone that I would say has had just unique experiences in terms of, like, the rooms they have found themselves in. But... All over the map, like... With the crowd. They owned a carnival, so they have, like, carny stories. Yeah. They have political connections that got them in scenarios yes. with, you know, political figures. But, yeah, all over the place But with funny They own stories. a market, so they have interactions with customers. Right. Just right there at the counter. And I think Don, even if he had never had any carnival days or time in the White House... I think he would still have stories just From because his simply living life. Yes. Yeah. Well, and that's the name of their business, but <laughs> that could go either way, but just from his living of life, and, but literally in that store. Yeah. And I think that that is what um, is important to recognize is I think we all um, have stories to tell, but I don't think we're all storytellers. I just don't. That's a good way to say it because I do believe every person inherently has stories. It's absolutely. But the way that they would share it, 
details they would leave in or would leave, leave out. Mm-hmm. That's a gift. To That's know a how to gift. Do that. Yeah. yeah. And just even the walking us through it, like building us up, giving yeah. the imagery that's needed for us yeah. to imagine it. Yeah. Not everybody can do that. And that's I true. wish I could better. Like, I think I can write okay. Oh, you, yeah. But you think you can really I think. Shine in writing. Like, orally sharing a story in what I would deem as a great storyteller, I, I would need more practice to achieve. Well, that National Storytelling Network that I made reference to, um, they do a conference every year. This year it was going to be in Decatur, Georgia, but it's been postponed. Okay. So many things happen. As is life, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've got plenty of time to write your stories and <laughs> practice re- recitation in this time if you want to jump in. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I also came across a really cool blog okay. that I want to mention. Um, the author's name is Ray Linville. Okay. And his blog is called Sights, Sounds, and Taste of the American South. Ooh, I like that. And, um, I found an entry he did in January of 2011. Okay. That was on storytelling in the South. Do tell. So I'm just going to quote him a little bit. I I thought he had some really interesting thoughts on this. He says, The rich tradition of storytelling in the South unites residents and visitors in a common love of relaying fiction and sometimes fact. Yes. Often combined with music and drama, storytelling in the Southern tradition is rich in culture, history, arts, humor, and outdoor activities. And emphasizes the importance of community and the power of family. Storytelling is not simple. It requires imagination, narrative, and interaction. In addition, it often depends on nonverbal communication and expressions. And I thought this was fascinating. He said East Tennessee State University offers a master's degree in storytelling. Are you serious? That's how intricate it really can be. Wow. Um, he says other regional universities also offer programs, um, but I'm not sure that any of the other ones that he found offered a master's degree. Um, there's a storytelling project um, at the University of North Carolina, like just lots of different yeah. things. But he gives the categories of storytelling into three categories. He says tall tales, folk tales, and then lastly, myths and legends. Now, I have a book that I gave mom, and I asked her if I could borrow it back to take a look at it. It's called Storytellers, Folk Tales and Legends from the South. And it was compiled by John Burrison. He is a professor at Georgia State University, and he established the Georgia Folklore Archives. Okay. So this book is him kind of talking about how he gathered a lot of information projects he put students on to compile stories from all over the South. But he puts them in six different categories. And I just thought it's interesting to see how people do the categories. So he says, the first category in this book is, and this is in quotes, ordinary folk tales. Because they're actually not ordinary, but meaning just that definition of folk tales. Um. Animal and Human Tricksters. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Which sounds so funny, because I know some of the ones I've heard, I 
think would fall in that category where it's like you know a talking animal that's like yes kind of sly yes that kind of thing yeah um number three category he had was jess jest j-e-s-t okay um number four instructive tales number five anecdotes and the lastly is legends okay so he has similar okay but a few more categories okay um so you can actually look under each category and read different stories and it tells where they recorded it like what year oh wow um what part of the country that kind of thing or what part of the south they're all from the south but I just opened it up, and the first one, it says, recorded in spring 1974. It tells who it was, and... Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm cracking up because I didn't see that you had this book before I came over here to record, but I have in my notes that I imagine um, some good storytellers to be, like, if you're, like, a very large man in overalls, you're a good storyteller. Hold on. Okay. I have down that if you chew on hay... That could be male or female. Uh-huh. You're a good storyteller. Probably got some good stories. So the picture on the front of your book is there is a large man in overalls, and I mean, those guys aren't chewing on One pay. One of them's holding a cigar or a cigarette. But That's a cigarette. They're chewing on something. Yeah. So. Don't they all look like they would tell great stories? Yes, absolutely. You may have to put a picture of I'm going to put a picture up. of the, uh, yeah, of the front of that book up. Well, I found a good article as well and this one's from um alabama.com it was a story on the title was is storytelling inherently southern okay and so i'll put the link up because it's it's a great read and i didn't want to just read the whole thing on our show today but um there is a um a group called the moth which is actually in new york yes but it's from a guy in georgia that started it but okay um, so and it's national. It's national. They have, um, like a, they even have a podcast. Okay. Um, and they've been podcasting for ages. Like, I feel okay. like, were they one of the first podcasters? They're really? Maybe. That far back? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but the Moth, um, as like a live events sort of forum, it launched in 1997. Okay. And so they present thousands of stories. So a lot of the article, um, talks about... Just, well, let me just quote this one part. So, The Moth was founded by novelist George Dawes Green, who wanted to recreate in New York the feeling of sultry summer evenings in his native Georgia, when moths were attracted to the light on the porch, where he and his friends would gather to spin spellbinding tales. The first New York Moth event was held in George's living room, and the story events quickly spread to larger venues throughout the city. So now, The Moth has events in 29 cities they've presented over 30,000 stories and standing wow. in only crowds i mean this is a very large um and you can hear the podcast too if you enjoy That's if, if you so cool i guess if you don't mind foregoing the live event format if you right. really just want to hear stories um you can look up the moths podcast and even hear that but um i thought it was funny because that also inspired Another group called Arc Stories, which are based out of Birmingham, Alabama, Uh and they have a podcast as well, Arc Stories, but um, I just loved what Taylor Robinson, the founder of Arc Stories, said. He says, in the South, stories are almost like a currency. 
We share stories and trade for other stories. And there's nothing like sitting down and listening to a great storyteller just do their thing, whether it's over a spread at grandma's on a Sunday afternoon or under the goalposts at our favorite football stadium. And then another person was saying, you realize I'm not crazy. I'm not alone. This is another storyteller named Trisha Burt. You suddenly see yourself in other people who you may not have thought you had any common ground with. Wow, yeah. And I will say I listened to a few stories on the Moth podcast and I felt the same way. Like I was listening to this girl talk about her experience in foster care. Okay. okay? And these are short stories. These were mostly around 12 to 15 minutes. Okay. Um, and in that short of a time, like I felt a heart connect. Okay. With her. Now there were things she said where I was like, I don't know that I would want to hang with her. Uh huh. I don't know that we'd be friends. Yeah. Per se. But, but you at least I bonded. Have something in common with her that yeah. I would not have thought on the surface. Interesting. That I did. So, um. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so great article. Again, that was on alabama.com. So it has a lot about Birmingham specific events and things, um, that, you know, go on around storytelling. That's cool. But yeah, um, well, there's just so many different storytelling gatherings and groups. Yeah. Most of, I mean, many states in the South have statewide guilds yeah. and local storytelling circles. Um, there is something called the Storytelling Arts Center of the Southeast, which is in North Carolina. Okay. Um, and I thought it was funny. They have a regional festival each spring. Well, maybe not this spring, but usually yeah. they do. <laughs> um, and it includes a liar's showdown. Oh, my god! Isn't gosh. that so cute? And then Dad told me at the Mule, Mule Day, Day yeah. festival that they have a some kind they of liars have a liar's competition. competition. Yeah. So funny. So Mule Day in Columbia, Tennessee, which would have been this weekend, would have been a beautiful Mule Day. Um, Yeah. They have like a week long um, schedule of events normally. And yeah, they have a liars competition. That is hilarious. I would love to go to that to see who who outshines the others. I guarantee you there's some in overalls chewing on hay. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, what, what did you find anything about storytelling? Like, in the digital age? Because I found one quote that I thought was kind of interesting. Um, Again, I think it was also from that same article. Where they were saying that we live in a world where we speak to each other less and less. Mm. We communicate through devices. And I just don't think human beings were meant to interact this way. This is that same storyteller I quoted just a moment ago. I agree 100%. It's no surprise that the rise of modern storytelling movement we're in right now goes hand in hand with the rise of technology. So I just think we, and of course, recording this in the very unusual season that we're in right now, because we are communicating even more on devices than ever. I mean, I'm so grateful though, that when we can't sit literally at the table with our people, that at least we can come into their home. Yeah. I mean, this format, our podcast format hasn't changed. We've been able to continue to deliver this. Um, but I've been on more Zoom calls. Than ever. Didn't even have a Zoom account before the month of March. And, um, yeah, I just wonder, like, how storytelling will be affected by this. Are we going to get a little... Maybe people will have more and more, all the more, a desire. Yeah. To hear. But don't you wonder if, like, are we going to be a little 
more jaded when we're back in person. I'm not. You're going to be full on hug fest and <laughs> have all the stories. Well, yeah, you'll have all the stories to tell because I'll probably you're just have a great people going, I'm not ready for hugs yet. <laughs> I'll say, well, tough. Um, well, you know, right here in Tennessee, we have the International Storytelling Center. Oh, that's true. I don't want to not talk about that. Is that Jonesboro? Jonesboro in East Tennessee. Yeah. Um, I just thought that was interesting. The International Storytelling Center, because I have... Freya here in my home, and I talked to her a little bit about, you know, in China, yeah, storytelling. Yeah. And I was like, well, did you know that the International yeah. Storytelling Center is in Tennessee? That is crazy. I forgot about that. And they have a major festival. They do a major festival in the fall. Yeah. Um, and you can go on their website. I don't know if it'll happen or not Yeah. this year yeah. because it's in the fall, but um, they already have, you know, different... It's a three-day festival, and you can buy per-day tickets, or and certain things are just for a specific event, yeah, and that kind of thing. But it looks like it's like a really cool tent that they're under, and yeah. Um, I mean, we're talking about I think it's typically like you know five digits in the amount of visitors. I don't know, but over ten thousand visitors. So here's what's interesting as I think about that, and it's not because you know we've all been quarantined recently <laughs> i like to savor a story so i don't I think you don't want to be in the back of the tent listening to it no Is that what you mean? it's not that it's that i don't want to go from one after another so quickly oh and i would imagine that in an event so Actually, i might have to be like a one day pass kind of person but hold up i think that a lot of these are well I, i'm not i've never been but yeah. i did look at yeah even going last year and I remember that a lot of the things were, you know, one person as a speaker yes. and then later another. So I don't know that they're literally on top back of to each back. other. Like next okay. up, like a stand up like comedy. Well, or do you remember it's... we went to a TED talk one time mm-hmm. and it was a conference. So they were back, back to, to back. back. That would a, be a lot. There was a take. very little interim. And that's almost what this feels like to me. Like the TED talk almost feels like it's trying to take the storytelling, storytelling yeah. and pair it with ideas and innovation right and like how to and it's pretty brilliant that. too i love listening to those yeah but those... one on top of the other it was a little bit much where i'm like oh that was cool oh we're already transitioning to the next yeah and they were only 18 minutes yeah. but they're so power packed yeah. as any good story is and you've been on this journey if you're truly like engaged with it where you're following along and you're not on your phone or like distracted right, in some right. way um so anyway if I, I think i'd have to be like a one day um one day holder. I don't know. Or come in and out a couple of days. But um, yeah, I would love to go to that Jonesboro. I think that'd be a fun festival. I've heard great things about it for sure. Um, The Moth is doing a virtual live event. Okay. April 15th, which is just around the corner. So you can check out themoth.org. And, um, you know, like I said, if if you want that sort of event experience but we can't right now and the podcast isn't doing it for you then you could check out their live event to see um what that's like so well um you know the the blog i referenced was from 2011 so here we are nine years later probably yeah much deeper into technology than we were yes nine years ago yeah um who knows where we'll be nine years from now but i did love how he ended his blog can i Read yeah, that. I'm just yeah. Read it that might be a good I liked closing how he for did us. It. Yeah. 
The rich tradition of storytelling has an unlimited future in the South. Although it predates written history, storytelling will never be out of date, even in the era of digital communications, because it features imagination, intimacy, and interaction that the internet cannot offer. Storytelling, with its strengths in combining culture, history, arts, and humor, and emphasizing the importance of community and the power of family, will be a significant part of Southern culture for a long time. Agreed. That's why we love storytelling. That is, yeah. We love the whole um, bonding, bonding that happened. Yes, yeah. Over it. Yeah. I mean, storytelling in a charcuterie board? Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> sign me up for that. That is so Southern <laughs> culture. Well, I think we did a dang good job on our topic today I this to, topic. to be um, in rhythm with what's happening with life in the South. And um, that'll probably be in the Garden and Gun for next month. Yeah. Storytellers. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Y'all look for it. Oh my goodness. Well, we again have so enjoyed sitting at the table with y'all this week and um, look forward to catching up with you more as spring turns to summer. We've got even more great topics ahead, including some interviews that we're pretty excited to start. Yes. Bring it into future episodes. So, but guys- for now, stay in your home and stay healthy and uh, cook Southern foods. That's right.